0: Today on the Bill Kelly Show on AM 900 CHML.
1: Another edition of Hotspot Hamilton. Uh, this is our feature, of course. We're going to do this a couple of times a week uh, for the next few weeks. There's a lot going on in this city right now in so many different areas. And that's good news, but uh, there are some things and some concerns that are being raised because of that. For every good news story, you have to talk about implications and uh, some of the pushback that happens. And uh, we're going to focus a little bit on real estate today on, in the segment I uh, just got a news story, of course, that you've been listening all too, uh, all morning long here on CHML about the uh, the housing market here at Hamilton. Uh, more houses on the market. Uh, sales are slowing down. Prices seem to be affected by this. Uh, contrast that, of course, with what was going on about nine months ago where he slapped a sign on the lawn, and uh, before the guy put his tools away, somebody bought the house. I mean, that's the way things were going back then. So what's going on with the markets right now? For the longest time, prices continue to go up. Are homes going to be affordable again? Uh, are we going to continue to see people coming to our city from other parts of the province? There was a big story about that. Is that still happening? Uh, we're going to talk about some other things like heritage homes as well. But to, to, to kick off this segment of the program, I've got a great panel for you that are going to talk about why people are looking to Hamilton uh, to, to buy a house. Uh, it's not just about the structure itself. There's other things happening in this community that we need to talk about that, that make this an attractive place for people to live now. And uh, to that end, we're so pleased to welcome to the panel Stuart Welton from uh, a recent Hamiltonian, a a new guy here. Great to have you here. Thank you. Thanks so much. Uh, He's (laughs) with Hamilton Arts Council. Uh, Good friend Krista Boyer, of course, uh, founder of Try Hamilton. How's that project going? We'll ask you about that in more detail a little bit later on. Happy to be here, Bill. Conrad Zarini, of course, uh, with Remax, uh, who's been uh, with us a number of times, of course, to talk about what's happening in the market. Thanks, Conrad, for being here today. And Darren Woodcock, principal broker with the DLC who is with us, because uh, I want to talk about uh, some of the government initiatives, Darren, that have happened that uh, I think obviously have had an impact on what's going on with housing. Uh, Maybe if we could, let me start, uh, if I could, with you, Conrad, about the latest news that we got yesterday. We got the report about the Hamilton real estate market right now. What is the status? Where are we?
2: I think we have to be cautious with month-to-month numbers because, let's say, for instance, if you look at, and what we're really paying attention to is the stock. So let's look at a real sweet spot between $300,000 and $400,000 property, single-family detached. We still have about 21% uh, of the sales occurred in that area. Now, if you go back to August, that went down to 17%. So again, these month-to-month sales really have a big impact. The other thing is average prices still remain pretty high. Where we're seeing a lot of impact is on the upper end, where 600,000 plus, now that's 31% of the market. So if you divide the real estate pie, uh, 31% of the market is over the 600,000, where about three years ago, it was more like 17 and 18%. So we're seeing the upper end, and the upper end does drive prices. When you start to look at average price, absolutely. But from an affordability level, when you look at price points, we're still that sweet spot between three hundred and four hundred thousand is still up in that twenty percent. About three or four years ago it was twenty four percent, so it's still maintaining that 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 uh, that that nice sweet spot for us um, with twenty percent of the sales being. Well, in when that you, price when
1: price. you talk about that upper echelon though, that six hundred thousand plus, mm-hmm. uh, and you're saying those numbers are actually starting to creep up now. Who's buying those houses? Well, it, it's it's people that are. Um,
2: achieving equity and they're building equity. Finally, in Hamilton, over the last uh, three, four years, people have started to see, you know, the, the fruits of their labor, if they've invested in uh, renewing their their home and renovating, they're starting to see some real great equity and they're moving up a lot of that is move up. When we talk about GTA buyers, we always talk about them, they're, they're looking at either coming here and cashing in and and banking some money, that's that's the one kind of buyer. And then the other buyer is looking at getting more value. So instead of buying a, a condo for four hundred, 500,000, they're able to get a single detached on the ground. Those are your two types of buyers but I would say a majority of people that are doing the move up locally absolutely 100% it's, it's, it's a lot of move up people in, in, in the Hamilton area that are saying look their families are growing and they need bigger space you know that we always need space <laughs> that's the thing right
1: Who's 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 calling you right now? The phone's still ringing for agents, Krista. Are, are they looking for those houses the Comrades talking about, those 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 two to $300,000, 400000 homes? Or, or are you getting requests right across the board?
3: Um, well, so truthfully, I, I focus more on uh, income property buyers. So what we're starting to see is those individuals who are looking for the deals. Um, with the shift that we've been seeing in the market, people have this expectation that, what comes with that is also a change in the pricing, but just as Conrad um, spoke to, we haven't really seen that uh, that sl- uh, depreciation in the values that exists in the market. Um, not to say that there there still isn't good value out there when it comes to the income-driven type of properties. When it comes to more of your residential outlook, you know we are seeing within uh, uh, Judy Marcel's as my brokerage, and we are seeing you know across the board we're still seeing those first-time home buyers, especially now where things are landing who are trying to insert themselves in the market because we're seeing that increased inventory coming in. We're seeing, you know, uh, quote unquote, more affordable housing as far as, you know, from their perspective um, coming into the city. So we are starting to see an, an increase of uh, or a return to a balanced market and an opportunity for those first time home buyers again.
1: I, I see some of your signs over in the, because uh, I drive around a lot and, and I'm checking. Uh, In the East End, Central East, in that area there, are are those people buying those houses to to live themselves, or are they buying them as investment properties?
3: It's a real mix over there. It really is. Um, And from my experience uh, so I would say more when you're looking north and when you're moving north and northeast and even north of Barton I have put some um, wonderful clients in that area uh, to live and you know and I noticed this I've been in real estate for just over two years nowhere near where Conrad is at but I noticed the wave when I came into the industry where people were starting to move in that direction and as we're moving eastwardly as well when we get into Crown Point and you know in around Ottawa Street you know you saw a real surge of individuals who who are looking to that area moving into that area and building communities in that area because, again, affordable and the amenities that exist there, the accessibility of the area and, you know, and it being just, you know, it's a, it's a great area to live in.
1: in. In your particular case, Stuart, I'm fascinated by the stories that I hear from people that have come from other areas and, and have chosen Hamilton uh, to make home right now. Uh, dovetail that from from your circumstance into into what people are looking for is it just price point or is there something else about the city that makes it an attractive opportunity and an attractive destination
4: yeah I think um, you know
1: speaking personally for us it was it was lifestyle like we, we moved from, from London
4: England I was there for 12 years um, and and my uh, wife and I when we decided to to move back to Canada uh, she's from Vancouver so it was initially the Toronto or Vancouver discussion <laughs> um, and uh, a friend of mine was like hey go look at Hamilton it's not like it uh, it used to be, you know, growing up, I grew up in Burlington, so we, you know, Hamilton to me was really the, the you know, late 80s and 90s, uh, like downtown. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and we did, we came back and we, we walked around and we fell in love with uh, the old neighborhoods and the old homes. And obviously, sure, value played into that because we could get, you know, more for our money coming from the UK. But it was, um, for us, it was a lifestyle, you know. We wanted that kind of livable, walkable, get on a bike lifestyle, you know, we didn't want multiple cars. We wanted one car. We didn't actually want to use the car all the time. Um, we didn't want to be... So know. I'm
1: assuming you're in the downtown area? Right? We are. We
4: live in... You're just driving very much. I, I can yeah, just yeah.
1: picture a neighborhood as you're saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walkability,
4: absolutely. livability. And so for us, outside of, say, central Toronto, for example, in this region, there's no other place you could really do that other than the lower city of Hamilton, and uh, combine that with great architecture, um, a great art scene. Both of us, um, in different um, uh, variations, come from the arts, and um, and you know, for us, it just made a lot of sense. And and having been here for a short time, we love every minute. Uh, of it, we are so happy to be here, and it's it's been a great experience. Is, is it a
1: revelation for out of towners when they they do start to explore and peel back some of the layers about what's happening here in Hamilton about about well, let's talk about the arts scene about sure. uh, not just the outdoor concerts and the festivals; those are fabulous too. But sure. but the I, I think the organic growth of the arts that we've seen here in the last three or four years, especially.
4: Yeah, I you know, I, I think maybe again value going back to it has played into that a little bit where it's it's also attractive it's an attractive place for for artists to to come you know one of the challenges of being an artist is how can you actually live and work on your craft right especially in countries in like canada where you have a, a small population funding relative uh, relatively is small especially to other you know say europe for example where there's much uh, higher funding for, for artists so it's tough to be an artist whether you're a musician or a painter or a writer or what have you and so it's um, you know you know places like Hamilton where it is a bit more affordable to live um, can offer that opportunity for an artist to, to be able to work a bit more on their craft um, and and so I think that those are some of the factors that would drive artists here and we we've met artists not just from Toronto but other parts of Canada that have come here both because it's allowed them to have a bit more uh, time to work on the craft, but also because of the scene where they can meet other mm-hmm. like-minded individuals and and kind of c- help build that community,
1: which is exciting. When we talk about words like affordability and housing, uh, Darren, I, th- there's also uh the the practicality of this uh, mortgage rates uh, qualifying for mortgages a number of different things like this is it more difficult to to buy a house for for instance uh to to what all three of our our previous guests were talking about for first time buyers for instance that are looking into this right now saying how do i get into the market uh past federal governments have made it pretty easy they've actually lowered uh, down payment numbers and things like this i i just get the sense that the squeeze is being put on first time home buyers now well i would say that first time home buyers
0: the, they're still the same. They're still five percent down. they still have to meet the affordability guidelines but the box has gotten smaller mm. uh, and the allowance that we saw perhaps over a couple of years uh, of uh, exceptions uh, don't happen anymore. so uh, and more more towards the business for self person. so the artist coming in who's not employed, has a harder time getting a mortgage now because if you're business for self in the current environment, you're almost like a second class citizen uh, in how you're treated for for a mortgage. Um, but but for the first time homebuyer, the rules really haven't changed. Five percent down, uh, your your ratio guidelines have to hit, and 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 the you go. Um, now for business for self. All
1: those roles are chucked out. Well, th- we had that discussion yesterday because we were talking about the plight of millennials, who may well be many of those first-time homebuyers. And and twenty years ago, twenty-five years ago, you g- got out of school, you finished your university, you b- you pick whatever your discipline was going to be, you got a job, and then you're going to have a steady paycheck for as long as you could possibly see. But now you get people that are working under contract situations. Uh, and okay, it's a good job, maybe plays pretty well too, but it's a two-year contract, three-year contract. Uh banks look at those people differently than when they're Yeah applying. they do. I, I tell you, it's it's been a fun ride in the mortgage industry the last couple of years because
0: the rules have constantly changed and it's changed in bo- the government guidelines changing right the way through to lending practices changing. Um and it's been really interesting and you know, specifically for me what I see listening to all, all three uh the other panelists talk here, I see the shotgun effect because I get the people moving from Toronto who are uh, trying to get a better house or bigger house here uh, opened up now because of the, the access to Toronto from Hamilton that's improved. Um, and I've seen the people uh, going into the Ottawa Street area and buying an older property to upgrade it for apartments, for rentals. So I, I'm seeing all, all the gamut. And the financing behind that is really interesting because uh, it used to be a lot easier and it's a lot tougher now. Um, so, so even our, our A rates, like to your point, if you're a T Ford individual salaried, your credit is good, no problem. Um, if your credit is a slightly damaged, maybe a little bit more difficulty, more paperwork. If you have a, a, a significant bruise on your credit, then you're, even if you're a salaried individual making $100,000 a year, you have difficulty now. Um, and and that is just heightened if you're business for self. I mean,
1: I'm, I'm 27 years old, I wish. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've, I've, I've graduated, uh, I, but I've got student debt. Uh, I get a job, decent-paying job, but I'm on a contract. I mean, the bank's going to look at me differently. And, comrade, you've walked both sides. You spent a lot of time looking into the banking industry as well. Uh, they're a lot more apprehensive now about about oh, about lending. Well, they're extremely skittish. But now we're going to see some new rules
2: coming out that are going to attack people that are putting twenty percent down. So they're conventional. So now they're going to have to qualify for the posted rate. So where, and I'm going to give you rough numbers, where you were making around 62000 and you could buy up to 500000 now you're going to probably go up to 78000 You have to have an income of $78,000 uh, to, to qualify for that same home, which is practically impossible. And they're also doing the attack on the uh, bank of mum and dad. So that's the other thing, because they've noticed that a lot of equity has been coming into real estate through pre-inheritance, let's say, parents helping out their, their kids, uh, first-time buyers. So now where a child would help Get help from their folks to get to 20 percent now are going to get penalized because now they have to qualify for that uh for the posted rate which is uh what 4.84
0: yeah 4.89 right now and we're seeing that a lot
2: so so now we're going to start to see that whole piece and, and and you know what the the bank of mom and dad and 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 you know was such a great uh it's such a great thing that that families and parents are allowed to Give their kids a head start in in this market, and I think it's really unfortunate that they're attacking that. And it's going to affect first time buyers; it definitely will, uh, because they can't cope.
1: Well, it's going to affect investors too, isn't it, Krista? People that want to buy investment properties, and and that's that's a part of the market as well.
3: Oh, absolutely, yeah. And you know, I have noticed that as well. Well, and that um, also relates to some of the uh, the rent control acts that have been put in place as well. Uh, as I'm sure we've all been paying attention to mm-hmm. some of the outcomes that have been uh, coming off of that. But no, it does entirely. You know, uh, the 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 lending practices are are having a, an effect on what people are capable of doing as far as inserting themselves in the re- uh, the housing market right now.
1: Uh, I got about a minute left here. My the, my my pet peeves about this whole thing is, uh, and I'm, I'm not, I don't consider myself a libertarian necessarily, but I like to trust the market. I mean, supply demand market will indicate market will drive where prices are going to go. When governments get involved in this, and and that's really what they've done over the last seven or eight months, both the federal and provincial governments right now, uh, I, I just get the sense, Conrad, that it muddies the waters more than clarifies them for an awful lot of people. Oh, absolutely, and and those.
2: I think you're you're absolutely right. The market has a way supply and demand. We saw the supply. We didn't have supply at the beginning of the year, and it pushed prices up. Now we're getting more increased supply, better supply, better opportunities for people to buy. People are going to remember 2017 summer and fall as a was the great window of opportunity, and and we might see ourselves back into a, 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 a shorter market. In, but in, in but in uh,
1: here's the good news, guys. Congratulations. The prices are starting to to. It's better now. It's more affordable. But you don't qualify.
2: Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Right. What's that going to do to the market? Well, it, yeah. it, it has to devastating effect on the market absolutely and i think um uh, but you know what the spirit of the canadian buyer and 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 that canadian consumer is strong and and uh, with the people on this panel and 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 some great minds and using a realtor and a mortgage broker and all that type of thing you're going to navigate through this and i think in spite of what the government is doing and uh, like i said we've got a great spirit here of buying
1: we uh have to do a break and we're going to move the other panel and some of you guys are going to stick around it was uh, always a pleasure i i I always say we got to do these things like that about an hour at a time because there's so much ground to cover on this. But I want to have you all back to talk about uh, some more of your stories as well. And, and moving from London to Hamilton is a fascinating story in and of itself. Uh, Stuart, Krista, Conrad, Darren, thanks guys so much for being here. You're listening to The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon
0: on AM 900 CHML.
1: Well, we continue with our hotspot Hamilton segment. Uh, we were talking about real estate affordability uh, and through the course of the conversation uh, words like gentrification have come up and affordability and effective reuse and I want to focus on some of those topics uh, with our next panel. Uh, Krista Boyer has uh, consented to stick around. We would need her expertise always. Thanks for being here Krista. Uh, also Thomas Allen is here from Rebuild Hamilton. Tom, great to have you here, thanks for coming in today. Thanks, thanks a lot. And Steve Kulikowski, of course, developer with Core Urban Developments uh, who have been uh, responsible for some of the incredible uh, rebuilds and uh, retrofits that have gone on in downtown. Good to have you with with us again here, Steve. Thanks, Bill. uh, Let me ask you about that and talk about about reuse. And uh, Darren Woodcock uh, was with us uh, talking about brokerage and Stu Welton was in the segment here as well from the Hamilton Arts Council. Uh, Stuart's a guy who came here from London, England, decided to move downtown. And uh, what we're seeing here is is this rebirth of neighborhoods. Uh, and, and uh, you, Christy, you mentioned this when you're talking about investment properties. Uh, Fifteen years ago, if you suggested to somebody you should buy a house in the north end, they would have just, <laughs> yeah, right. Now it's one of the hot areas in the city. Uh, and I mean right across, especially down by the waterfront, certainly. But in other areas as well, because of the architecture and the buildings like that, why is that happening? What's going on? I d- just go around the table and, and, and give me your thoughts on why all of a sudden some of these older neighborhoods are becoming some of the most attractive neighborhoods in the city.
5: I mean, it's it's been a lot of years in the making. I mean, Hamilton has so many factors that are strong. We've got great geography. We've got a great downtown, great architecture. So there's a lot of factors that as Hamiltonians, we've been waiting for people to kind of notice the downtown. Certainly, I think that secret's out now. Um, but, I, I mean, it's an it's a urban shift that not only Hamilton's seeing, but it's, it's kind of, you know, across North America that people want to be back in these downtowns and urban environments for the lifestyle, um, you know, for the walkability. Those type of things are really strong in Hamilton. And now we have some amenities that people
1: can actually enjoy. I, I mean, one of the first projects you guys did, of course, was down on the north end. Uh, and and I spent a lot of time there when I was a kid. My dad w- grew up at Robert and Mary Street, which is kind of mind you. When you talk to real North Enders, says, that's not the North End. It's <laughs> the other. It's the other side of Boston. I'm in the real North End. Yeah, there exactly, Krista. Yeah. But but you know, it was it was neighborhoods. It was just fabulous walkability. And then it went through this terrible period in the '70s mm. and '80s when no, you didn't want to be down there. Certainly don't go down there at night. Now all of a sudden, it's cool to be in the North End again. It's it's and and your project, I guess, was one of the catalysts for this. But but you've seen this happen, Tom. With where all of a sudden there's this rejuvenation that's going on? Is it? Is it? Is it the, the, the love of uh, heritage buildings, of older buildings, that, uh, that w- has rekindled in us? I think a lot of that has sparked
6: it, yeah, because there are, there's great bones in the city. Um, everywhere you walk, you see beautiful cottages, Victorian homes. So the architecture's there, the bones are there, and what you're seeing is uh, an investment in, in what was once old to become new again, and, and Steve was a catalyst for that. He still is. And um, I think that's almost a trend that he didn't just start, but he, it, it also snowballed from some of his developments and you're seeing everybody kind of start to appreciate what we already had here that has been overlooked for so long um, in every neighborhood. And <coughs> a lot of it comes down to everybody wanting to kind of go back to living in the core again. They said by 2050, there's 80% of the world's population is supposed to live in urban
1: uh, in, in urban pockets, essentially. I was uh, telling you guys just uh, before we started the segment here, our, our middle daughter uh, is at University in Toronto right now, the first year on campus at U of T. Uh, as you know, they're, they're, they're c- as she said, where's the campus? I said, it's all around you. I mean, downtown Toronto, T, uh, the houses are there. I said, there are people that live on campus that don't go to university, just the way those old houses are. Uh, but those are unaffordable for an awful lot of people. I mean, those things are a million, a million and a half plus for some of these things. Mm-hmm. Is, is affordability uh, one of the factors that, Krista, that people look at and say, I like that, can't afford to live here, but boy, Hamilton's got it.
3: Oh, it's definitely a driving factor. And, it, 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 and it's not the only item that draws people to Hamilton. It's the fact, like, again, going back to some of what Steve was saying, you know, we have developed a great downtown culture. Uh, and overall, we have an incredible cultural scene. You know, our culinary scene is just skyrocketing right now. Our art scene, our music scene, it's quite fantastic what's been taking place in the city. And it's coming from, you know, uh, a long foundation of what already existed, but we're really starting to see it push forward. Now, uh, And it's, you know, the amenities and the parks. And, you know, there's, like, we could just sit here all day and go on about how fantastic Hamilton is. Mm. Um, you know, so that mixed with the fact that, you know, it, by comparison to other areas that have similar amenities, we are affordable.
1: Something is happening here, and it's it's almost a... a an organic growth, uh, Thomas. When you look at what's happened, because uh, governments love to take credit for for successes, Absolutely right? Absolutely, yes. it's us that did this. We funded this, and mm-hmm. that's that building that we put in there. But this this is almost like a, this is a uh, something that's a, a shoot that started in these areas themselves. Just saying, you know what? We're going to take ownership of this. We want to we want to bring back. We want to recapture these neighborhoods that we seem to have let go of and we ignored for some time.
6: Yeah, it's uh, it's com- been completely organic, and it's. A lot to do with all the local communities. The neighborhood associations in the city are phenomenal. What Beasley does to fight every day for their tenant rights and for growth in those pockets, Duran Neighborhood Association, Kirkendall, all across the board. All these neighborhoods are really invested in the character and the growth, as well as the love of their their community. And um, it's been c- absolutely organic. It's I think it will always be organic. The city's coming in and, and helping in, in many ways. Um, but I think that, yeah, you're right, absolutely. It's come down to just this infatuation with the city that sprouted out of just community involvement.
1: And it's the old thing where success breeds success. I mean, when you guys started the school project, and uh, I remember talking to Harry Stinson about the Stinson project that he did on Stinson School, as a matter of fact. Uh and all of a sudden, you start seeing dumpsters in houses around the neighborhood. People that have bought those properties and saying, I'm going to fix this thing up. Uh, that's a great project. That's brought people down here. I want to be part of this. And they're sandblasting some of these old buildings. You see them doing the retrofits inside all of a sudden. And, and, and you've got this whole thing that starts to snowball. Yeah, I mean, the,
5: the snowball effect is, is really strong. I mean, I alluded that the, the secret's out. It would be nice for our business to keep the secret safe a little bit longer, <laughs> but unfortunately, uh, you know, people from the outside are, are coming in, which I think adds some sensitivity to the whole issue of of uh, people coming downtown and, and displacement and, and all the you know negativity that could come with it. Uh, I mean, net-net, most of the projects that we work with are completely vacant. You know, they might have some main floor activity over the years, but... You know, Sterling Cellar, for instance, uh, you know, in the the two buildings attached to it, the upper floors haven't been used in 50 or 60 years. So we're talking lack of accessibility, um, you know, just no no reason to use those floors. There was no um, activity to justify fixing them. Um, So a lot of the work that we do, net-net, there's a strong benefit, not just uh, displacement or or, uh, negativity that comes from it.
1: How did this market develop? I mean, we got into a, a, a... I guess a bit of a, a pattern for where we were looking at expansion. There's greenfield development, and, and, and that's still happening. I mean, there's Big still time. there's still new houses being built, and, and there's a market for those. Absolutely. But there's a much larger market right now, Thomas, for, for infill developments. Mm-hmm. And and let's face it, I mean, <laughs> you're talking about the place that you want to raise your family, that you want to live, and, and where you want to spend a, you know, a good deal of your life. Uh, you're not doing this to try to be a good citizen. You're doing it because you think it's the best deal for you in many of these cases right now. What's making it so attractive? Um,
6: there's tons of variables and factors. Um, some of the big ones are LRT, um, this drive for more walkable communities, for better bike lanes, for better transit, um, two way streets. So a lot of What's happening when it comes to transportation has been a driving force in development and infill. Um, that's led to a lot of people looking at investing along LRT nodes and corridors, and um, it's also a huge catalyst for people that want to live and work downtown so this <coughs> all these different factors have been playing into a huge boom in development. I've been tracking it recently. I was telling Steve before we got in here i'm I'm currently writing a piece on all the development happening in the city, and there's hundreds. Hundreds. I <coughs> just in high rises alone. There's about 19 planned or in different stages of construction. I uh, didn't even get into mid rises or anything else yet. But we're still seeing a lot of the, a lot of suburban sprawl too. If you go down Highway 5 now, it's al- there's about seven um, subdivisions planned right now. Binbrook's still growing as well. So although we're seeing this this huge infill movement, I think that uh, it needs to happen faster.
1: Who's buying, Krista? When people when the phone rings in your office and, and people are saying, "I want to talk to you about this property or that property or this neighborhood or that neighborhood," who are they?
3: Um, well, if we're looking at the downtown area, yeah. you are getting a lot of those young professionals, the first time homebuyers, or or not, but they still fall under that category of millennial or just borderline past uh, and looking for that urban uh, style living right being you know uh, what I hear a lot from my clients or from others within my office is people are looking for accessibility Mm -hmm. walkability you know they want to be engaged in the community they want to be able to visit their local cafe and then go out to their local pub and be able to walk and do it all and and work as well be able to easily access work so you know we're seeing a lot of uh, those individuals coming and look purposely centered on the downtown core for those reasons
1: it's it's fascinating to watch but obviously there are there's there's always a pushback to this and and the word that we always hear and the concern i think because we've seen it happen in other communities uh, is gentrification in other words the people that were there people that have invested there and now all of a sudden saying look at this is no longer affordable for me right now great news for the city but not so great for me how do you how do you find the balance in in, in what's going to be happening here um, I think that's when the city steps in a, a, a lot of the
6: time. Um, I know that they've allocated $50 million for that future plan for affordable housing. Um, and then also the province has. They, I know it's about 173000000
1: million they're going to the, By Just to interrupt you, are we over that stigma that affordable housing is a dirty phrase? Absolutely not. and I Because, you know, people cringe as soon as you say that, oh, affordable, I
6: don't want that stuff in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's funny because... Um, the affordable housing projects that are happening in the city right now are some of the nicest ones. Yeah. Um, the work that Inwell and Indwell and Envisage are doing together, they're creating gorgeous affordable housing. Rudy Hulse Commons, which is at basically Kenilworth in Maine, is one of the nicest developments I've seen in the city in years. So um, I think with the right architect the r- and the right people behind affordable housing projects, it's a stigma that will soon vanish because they're creating
1: beautiful, livable spaces in, in communities that they can integrate into well. I mean, it's really just a matter of, of having standards, isn't it, Steve? I mean, there were times, and granted, and there were probably builders that just slapped something up there. You can't do that anymore.
5: Yeah, I mean, uh, gentrification is such a contentious point, uh, but to Tom's point, it doesn't have to be. I mean, there's a lot of different facilities, mechanisms that uh, private-public sector can work together to make sure that there's inclusion, that people don't get displaced, and it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, here's a red marker on that building that says this is affordable housing it could be there's lots of different mechanisms that uh, you know we look forward to doing more in the future that can be more
1: inclusive for the for the community where do you see this going uh, we talked about the bubble and we talked about uh... the the craziness that was going on i i know one guy that was looking at a property uh... not too long ago just on wilson street which is kind of a rundown area near wellington uh, some of the houses that have been there god knows for how long Uh, There was a bidding war, back in the days of the bidding war, and he showed me some pictures. He took some pictures in there. The house was gutted. I mean, it was terrible. You probably fell through the floor. Uh, And it went for like $100,000 over asking price. So those are people I would imagine, Krista, that see potential and simply say, yeah, I know this this is terrible now, but I know what's going to happen to this area. Well, and, I, and I know what the potential is for the neighborhood and for the community.
3: And the difficult thing is uh, we we really don't know what's going to happen. You know, no one has a crystal ball to dictate what's going to happen with the the market in uh-huh. Hamilton. I mean, at least we can look at historical data that suggests that it's been strong. And we are seeing appreciation even with uh, our recent dip in sales in the last month. Um, you know, and essentially like... It, it really comes down to um, what ca- what can you afford uh, and, you know, what do you want to be in? Um, I think that's an important aspect when people are looking at what they're, you know, when they're purchasing a home. Absolutely. But it's it's difficult to say where this market is going to go. I, I would like to say and would like to see it continue, not to rise, but. You know, balance out in the manner it has, but there's so many variables. You know, from government, uh, provincial, federal levels, locally, that are going to dictate where the market's going to be driven.
1: We kept talking with the last panel, the real estate panel, Conrad Zarini and yourself, Krista, and others uh, about about having product, about having stock. Uh, when we're looking at, at at some of these older buildings, and and you've been responsible with Core Urban Steve for doing an awful lot of these right now. Uh, is it is it affordable? Is it is it cost effective for you to buy these and do the retrofit on this? I mean, because in the past, when when elected officials tried to encourage that sort of development, the pushback they always got was that there's there's no money in that. Sorry, we'll we'll build something over there, you know, but we're not building downtown because there's just no uptake in it. Is that changing?
5: And certainly there's more eyes on these projects and these opportunities. There's more people that are prepared to make that investment downtown that haven't been there before. I mean, it's, it's becoming an easier answer. So as prices go up, um, you know, hopefully there's more of a backside to them as well. Um, so, it, I mean, it all goes down to the supply and the demand. For us, there's a bit of an extinction on old large buildings in downtown. So it's important for us that they're done right and done well. Uh, so we'll continue to work towards doing as many of them as we can Um, but to me saying that a building is too far gone or it's too old it uh, there's too many variables it's it's the easy answer Uh, architecture you know when you go and travel the things that you feel and touch are the you know the architecture. That's the anecdote that you bring back, and I think that has a lot to do with the Renaissance that Hamilton's seeing. Anecdotically, you've got as Chris has said, some great restaurants with that are in great spaces, um, and those are the things that you can take and say that I'm proud of Hamilton. I've, I'm happy to bring somebody from another community and and show them show them the town because we have that kind of kind of stock. But taking the easy route and and you know saying that we should be developing more on the on the mountain or in, in fringe areas there's lots of opportunity downtown not always the easiest answer um, but some of the answers that can have the biggest benefit for the community as a whole
1: but it's cause and effect if somebody's looking for a place to live and they say well you know I want I want nice restaurants I want walkability I want maybe some shops mm-hmm. things like that uh I don't know if it's a chicken and egg thing Tom but I mean you know when you, when you look at some of the developments that have gone downtown like core lofts and things like that all of a sudden these restaurants start springing up because they say hey there's people living here now uh, they need service. So all those, you've got these fabulous restaurants. King William Street's a great example. Mm-hmm. I think th- for the longest time, the, the vision always was, boy, if we could just have two anchor areas on King William Street, one, of course, being the Lister Block and the other being Theatre Aquarius, and, and start building it from, you know from either end into the middle, and that's happening now. Yeah. And it's nothing the city did. I mean, obviously, the province and everybody got involved with Lister Block. But but the rest of that stuff was was really just kind of a, a grassroots movement that just started up when we started seeing some of those developments.
5: Well, I mean, I, I don't think we should necessarily shortchange the city. There has been a lot of uh, initiatives that they've put in place uh, for the urban renewal. So there's incentive programs when the economics of some of these projects were much difficult, much more difficult. Uh, so there was some programs put in place. You talk about the Lister Block, without the Lister Block being restored, and that. You know, investment put in by the city, we would have never done any work on King William. It would have still been sitting there. I mean, arguably, I would say that was the biggest eyesore in all of downtown. Mm -hmm. So it was it was a difficult decision. I'm happy that the heritage remained, and because of that, the street was able to flourish. Also, the streetscape. You know, it has nice wide sidewalks. Um, It's a slow street. When you talk about Tom's point about um, two way conversions, bike lanes, those are all things that we need to continue to hope that the city moves with with these initiatives because you picture James Street 10 or 15 years ago that was one way no parking thoroughfare it it was a it it was a very desolate looking street because there wasn't uh, the opportunity for retail or for any ground floor activity to happen so now that we're starting to see renaissance with restaurants and walkability we need to continue those initiatives Um, because we're certainly not there yet. I mean, the next step, it would be great to see some retail in Hamilton. Right Mm -hmm. now, our only ground floor uses are, you know, there are some retail, but there's not the, you know, urban shopping center that, you know, there's a lot of things that people still have to go outside of downtown to get. So more people downtown, more amenities downtown, um, hopefully more retail will come.
1: But we've seen uh, guys like Core Urban, uh, though, Tom, we've got a minute left here, uh in I mean we couldn't Rudy and, and his crew have done a great job. They did that fabulous project they built down on King Street down near the the Black Forest and now of course the Cannot project mm-hmm. uh, with Ted Valerie and, and those sorts of things. Uh, that 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 shows a can-do attitude, doesn't it? That, okay, you know what? Yeah, it's costly, but you know what? There is a benefit to this, and and hey, if they can do it, and and Spalatchi Group can do it, maybe mm-hmm. others will jump inside all of a sudden.
6: Yeah, these guys are pioneers for that movement, and uh, we're s- that that's w- not why we're s- now seeing people like Brad Lamb coming in. Yeah, um, it's because they see that there is development that can happen here, and that it it's worthwhile because they know that there's a huge movement happening. And um, everything that's happening right now is basically falling together perfectly, like a puzzle. And um, it's a lot of it has to do with Corbin and Spalacci and Valeria that took those chances. Like the Canats, a huge project. Witten Loss is a huge project. Templar Flats is you know one of the best developments the city's ever seen. And um, so I think that what they have done, especially when it comes to heritage too, has really spurred on uh, development. And I think that seeing these these properties shining like they are it, like it's, it sounds silly but um, it's done a lot to start bringing in all that money and all that development and all that investment and all that love for the city
1: so Well, it's brought the downtown back, and that was game one and and rule one and and I think goal one for for previous councils over the last 25 years, and it's starting to happen. All we need to do is keep the momentum going. Uh, We're right out of time, though. Thank you so much for being in here today. Krista. great to have you with us on this one, too. Steve, Tom, thank you guys for coming in here. Thank you. you. Uh, Let's stay in touch and continue these stories. Sounds good. The
0: Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.